Hello, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening and also to explain why you might hear ads like this before, during, or even after an episode. We're a small but mighty team here at Realm and to help fund our shows, we promote products or services that we think you'd enjoy from a variety of sponsors. If any of our ads interest you, one of the best ways to support us is by visiting the link or using the promo code in the ad. It's pretty much a win-win since you can get some great deals and we can keep making awesome shows like this one. You can also visit realm.fm partners for more information about our sponsors and how to access the different promotions. Thanks again for joining us in our corner of the universe. Listen away. Hello, I'm Alison Larkin, writer, comedian, narrator, and host of The Jane Austen Podcast. Join me as we embark on a journey through Austen's timeless stories, starting with Pride and Prejudice. The Jane Austen Podcast with Alison Larkin is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Christmas Eve, everybody, and welcome to this brand new spoiler review episode here on the Geek Bites, brought to you by the Geek Buddies on the Outlaw Nation channel. I am the Outlaw John Roke, joined as always by these two wonderful gentlemen as we've been doing these reviews. Uh, Michael, take it away. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor and an animation writer. And even during the holidays, every weekend, you can see the third season of Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City, on YouTube. And you can also see the holiday special that is up right now on Netflix that is called... Strawberry Shortcake's Perfect Holiday. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure you were paying attention. Any diehard references in that one? Uh, gentlemen, any diehard references in that one? No, no. Do I have any diehard? I don't think I got any diehard. I got a lot of other references in there, but no diehards. Nice. Any Werner Herzog references? You want to go way out there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got a lot to get into here for this particular uh, spoiler review. First of all, we hope you all are having a wonderful Christmas Eve. And of course, if you are, um, you know, just however you're spending it, we hope you're enjoying the day. Maybe to you, this is just another Sunday, you know? So either way, we appreciate you hitting play on this or listening to us on the podcast feed. Remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast feed if you want to listen to any of our episodes instead of watch our pretty faces you can do that this episode here episode three of season two it's called what if happy hogan saved christmas this was directed by brian andrews written by ac bradley and matthew chauncey and this is a wonderful in my opinion a wonderful slice of christmas a perfect yet another yet another perfect mcu installment or entry into the Christmas universe here from the MCU, which I really liked. And it's an unusual episode because it is not what if someone made a different decision? This one feels like we're still in the in our normal MCU universe. It just feels like it's happening after Iron Man 2 and before Age of Ultron. So an interesting place to, to spot it here. Um, Michael, what are your thoughts on this episode? Happy Hogan getting some Hulk blood fighting off uh, Justin Hammer in the Hulkbuster armor, diehard references for sure, all over the place. Darcy's up in here as an intern. Maria Hill is up in here as well. The Avengers show up at the end, fight Happy. Happy. They realize Happy is actually a new Hulk, and uh, they end up uh, disarming uh, Justin Hammer, and then Hulk saves, or I mean, uh, what do you want? Hulk Hogan saves uh, saves uh, Justin Hammer at the end there, and all's well that ends well, and, ha and have a good night. So what do you think of this episode, brother man? 
Yeah, I thought it was great. Nice little Christmas treat. Uh, could have done with like thirty percent less Cat Dennings, but other than that, I thought it was. I thought it was a really, really cute one. Um, yeah, I mean, it technically it counts as a what if. Like, it's what if Justin Hammer made a different decision than he made in the regular Marvel universe and uh, made his play. Like, so mm. it's in a in a multiverse, you're gonna have some worlds and universes that are vastly different. And you're going to have some that are just slightly different. And mm. that's the fun of the what if universe is you can play with both. And so, yes, this one definitely is much more within a Marvel universe that we would know. Yeah. Um, but it was great. Uh, I loved um, all the references. I loved basically Die Hard and Avengers Tower with Happy mm. Hogan, with Hulk Hogan and the John McClane role. I loved uh, Justin Hammer as our Alan Rickman. Uh, it was just kind of a blast throughout. It kind of, to your point about Age of Ultron, it definitely was given like where it was placed in the Avengers Tower, when it was placed within yeah. the Marvel timeline, it definitely made me kind of want to go pop on Age of Ultron afterwards. It was like, oh, yeah, these are good times. But, yeah, definitely a lighter one than uh, than the Nebula one. Yeah. Um, probably not quite as blowing my socks off as the Peter Quill fighting Earth's Mightiest Heroes that we got yesterday. Mm. But as far as uh, me waking up and wrapping Christmas presents and popping on a What If episode, it was kind of just right. <laughs> Shannon, your overall thoughts on, on this episode and the storyline that we got here with Hogan, who is, you know, initially Happy Hogan is again in this place where he feels underappreciated. You know, Maria is, has the higher call sign in his mind. Darcy is interning with him, but of course he's trying to feel like he matters. And then this Hulk blood totally uh, accidentally goes into his body. And now all of a sudden he becomes this thing. It ends up saving the day and even gets a lot of love from Darcy near the end and Tony near the end for what he becomes. what do you think of this episode? Super enjoyed it. Super enjoyed yep. it. I don't disagree with Vogel in regard to Kat Dennings. Um, I feel like Kat Dennings, Darcy, she's had one one um, um, feature in, in Marvel where she's been pretty fun. And I feel like that was WandaVision. Every other Kat Dennings appearance is like, eh, okay. <laughs> I'm not, not the biggest fan of that character. Um, but I, I was, it was interesting because at the beginning I was kind of like, oh, so this is just all our supporting players. I'm like, ah, okay. I mean, I do really like John Favreau. Uh, and then when uh, uh, Sam Rockwell showed up as Justin Hammer, I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. And then it takes off. Uh, the moment that Justin Hammer talks about he wanted a Red Rider BB gun <laughs> and someone from the crowd says, you'll shoot your eye out. I was like, yes, fantastic. <laughs> this is this is uh, new Chris, required Christmas Eve viewing because mm -hmm. I, I enjoyed this more than the Guardians Christmas special from last year. I thought this was just wow. Super funny. Yeah, I mean, I, I was not a, the biggest fan of that Guardian special. I was okay. like, it needs to be way funnier. And I feel like that is what this one, it just checked off all the boxes. It was just super, super funny. Mm -hmm. And getting to revisit the most underutilized villain in the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Justin Hammer um, and, and referring to himself in the third person as the Hammer. The Hammer. This is this is fantastic. <laughs> I, I, I'm super into it. Yeah, like the reference, like a third party, right? Like The Rock or something like that. You know, The Rock doesn't do this. The Rock doesn't do that. You know, that it was really funny to see that. I, I guess I'll have to be the uh, odd bird out. I liked Kat Dennings. I think we got the perfect amount of Darcy in this episode. I actually didn't like as much of her in Wanda, uh, WandaVision as uh, maybe you, you did, Shannon. I kind of was a little on the fence with some of those scenes with her and how smarter she was than everybody else. It got a little grating, but this I thought was the perfect amount She's going back and forth with Happy. She's She makes the meta reference that she's the Reginald Bell Johnson 
to his John McClane, in essence, or his Bruce Willis, which I thought was really funny. And the way she reacts to certain things as she's going through it and when she's trying to upload the, the new operating system and how she gets surprised by all this stuff. I thought it was funny, but I can hear if, if you guys didn't didn't enjoy it. But really, it was John Favreau here who stood out that I thoroughly enjoyed, loved the different tones. I mean, you forget, like we've said already for the last two or three days, like the idea of voiceover work from a, 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 a on-camera actor, it's not always going to be quite where you need it to be or quite delivering the nuance. And I thought Favreau really nailed it from top to bottom all the way through this episode. I really, really enjoyed him. And I actually liked what Sam Rockwell did as well. You know, the way he was playing certain beats, certain moments when the rush and the Russian thugs, I mean, were great comic relief throughout this whole episode uh, and the way they were going back and forth. And then at the end, there is being like, wait, I pay you. No, I pay you for this. Not for this. And they're out of this. <laughs> those little changes I thought were really smart. And again, they don't do the legwork to explain to you what the Hulkbuster armor is. You've got to have seen all this stuff to understand what the Hulkbuster armor is and the back and forth. And then even making the references to the previous operating systems and the names of those. I thought that was really good. But overall, the feeling and the vibe of this one, it was nice to get Happy Hogan getting a little bit of feeling of um, appreciation by the end. Because you start out with him feeling underappreciated, which I thoroughly enjoyed um uh shane i'll go back to you man what do you think of the diehard references right because we had uh we had happy taken to the air ducts to covertly sneak around the building locate his target we had him bungee jumping through the window very similar to john mcclain hanging off the fire hose there uh darcy as i mentioned uh, saying she's the reginald vell johnson to his john mcclain you put a villain in the elevator instead of ho 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 it says let it snow uh and then of course the justin hammer fall oh Justin hammer coming out and speaking to the crowd of people just as gruber did and then at the end, falling out the window, slow motion, just as Alan Rickman did in Die Hard. So is the MCU, first of all, what do you think of the references? And did the MCU now officially confirm Die Hard as a Christmas movie? Yeah, yeah. I think the MCU confirms what, what uh, uh, a level-headed movie viewer already knew. Um, that <laughs> Die Hard <laughs> Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Um, the, on, the only thing that I wanted was for that note to say, now I have Hulk blood. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, was, that was the only thing I wanted. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I thought it was great. Uh, and uh, like I, was, I thought after the Reginald Vell Johnson and then seeing Happy in the Air Ducks, I'm like, all right, that's it. Like they'll they'll find other Christmas movies to reference yeah. here, um, but no, they just kept going with Die Hard. I mean, we had the one little Christmas story reference, uh, but they just kept going with Die Hard. And again, it was just it was just so much fun. Mm. Um, and like getting to see what the other Avengers were doing at the time, even though it doesn't have a whole lot to do with Die Hard. Um, <laughs> Tony dressed up as Santa, yeah. a, 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 an unhappy Santa, hilarious. They're finally confirming because like in, in terms of the MCU, like we talk about the fact that Captain America is handsome a little bit. Yeah. But the whole the soccer moms going after Cap, I mean, it's literally like it was literally like listening to the audience on the opening night of Infinity War when when Steve Rogers comes out of the shadows and he's got that fantastic beard grown and you heard every woman just just in unison, just oh, um, so <laughs> the fact that they are now acknowledging the fact that uh, Chris, uh, uh, Chris Evans, Steve Rogers is just every woman's dream. Um, very funny. Yeah, my, uh, Micah, your thoughts on the Die Hard references, but also what Shannon's bringing up here, because you have Natasha at a, uh, at a Nutcracker performance here fighting off uh, another assassin, a la maybe uh, Mission Impossible with Rebecca Ferguson at the opera there with Tom Cruise. Uh, Tony is being, uh, he's a bitter Santa, as he said there, with uh, Steve Rogers fending off the moms. But Bruce Banner and Clint Barton fighting over the final toy, kind of like Jingle All the Way. 
Um, what do you think of all the of all the sections here with the heroes and the diehard stuff? Did it work for you? Oh yeah, I mean it was great. I mean you know the thing that um from day one, whether yeah, and some people love this and some people don't love it as much, but the Marvel Cinematic Universe has always had sort of a level of humor to it, and mm. it's you know it's a dial that you can move up and move down. If you're in an Ant Man movie or a Guardians movie, you're going to turn that dial up. Yeah. If you're in a Captain America movie, uh, you're in some of the other movies, you're going to turn that dial down, but it's always going to be there. There's always a little bit of humor, some fun tongue in cheek stuff, and even in what we've seen in the past three days, I mean the Nebula episode definitely had some really fun episodes, uh, fun moments with Howard yes. the Duck. And yeah. you had your humor, but it was definitely dialed down to fit that noir style vibe. Yeah. Here, they just turned the dial up as far as they could because this is a very low stakes adventure. Mm -hmm. This is just an excuse to get the gang together at Christmas. And Justin Hammer, even though he is perfect as the Hans Gruber of this episode, is not really... Uh, worrying anybody on the villain meter you know he's he's a low level villain so low level villain high level comedy and you know one of the most fun things about writing christmas specials having written a couple christmas specials myself for my little pony and strawberry shortcake um and a couple other uh shows that i've worked on is that you get to take your characters that you love and put them figure out what they would be doing in the holiday that you love the most so yeah you know natasha romanoff at the ballet uh, it, you know, during the Nutcracker, dealing with what she's doing, you know, each one of them doing their thing, just hilarious, perfect, and also just kind of the level of humor within the Avengers compound, like mm -hmm. the fact that Happy ends up with a confetti arrow that Barton, that, that Clint Barton has, or even when he jumps out of the building, like he's oddly in like the costuming area of Avengers Tower where oh, they've yeah. got like giant rolls of spandex and giant rolls of leather. And you're like, yeah, you know I mean? They, they build a lot of costumes. I guess they do need someone to do that. So just all of the little kind of fun nods and winks that they did, I thought was a blast. And Thor arriving late, just perfect. Of course, and Thor, Thor arriving late, right? It just makes so much sense in the world. Um, you know, you mentioned Justin Hammer. I got to ask you, Michael, go back to you on this. What do you think about this uh, using Justin Hammer at this point? You know, we'd have, um, uh, was it Iron Heart coming? We have uh, the Armor Wars coming. The Justin Hammer is supposed to be a big part of this. Uh, back in the MCU, do you think this was their kind of soft launch of uh, Arm of uh, Hammer, Justin Hammer back? In this situation, you know, he's got apparently he can fight. He's got martial arts skills now being in prison. Um, and he seems to be. Is this their way of kind of soft launching him back into people's minds here because they know they're going to bring him back uh, to be part of the MCU very soon? Um, it could be. It, it's not a bad way to sort of soft launch him back and remind us that Justin Hammer is around and can dance um, yeah. and can dance. And I think, you know, to that point, it's one of the things when Marvel is doing things right, it's what they do well, which is. Iron Man 2, I think on most people's list of Marvel movies, is yeah. pretty low on the list. I think uh, it, it is not the most beloved. But Marvel knows, again, when the, the Marvel that we like, when Marvel's working, they know that just because a movie didn't work doesn't mean that certain pieces of and certain characters mm. can't right. be reused. And so, yeah. uh, you know, Ben Kingsley getting used in Shang-Chi, like bringing Justin Hammer back, like these are great actors and these are great characters. Uh, even seeing... Um, Annette Benning's Wendy Lawson in the episode yesterday. I mean, I think she worked great and Captain Marvel is not one of my favorite movies. So mm. I think seeing him show back up and having him kind of cast in the role of Hans Gruber, 
uh, a goofy, silly Hans Gruber makes us realize, oh, this is a really fun character, and Sam Rockwell's great. So if this is the way of reminding us that he's around, teeing us up for uh, Ironheart, Armor Wars, or wherever else they can fit him into the MCU moving down the road, I think they did a really nice job. Yeah, what do you think of this, uh, uh, Shannon? Them kind of soft launching or soft relaunching Justin Hammer back into our minds here with the way he's because I mean he has that narrow he has that one line that I think is really a window into his approach possibly going forward in the MCU when he comes back is you know the idea between a villain and a hero is having a good PR narrative. If I get that Hulk blood, I can basically rewrite my own idea of who I am and let people kind of change their minds about me. Essentially talking about how fickle people can be. So what do you think about how they introduced him in that line here, kind of mentioning possibly a little motivation for him going forward in the future MCU project? I really hope it's a soft launch because, yeah. you know, he popped up in the short um, uh, Hail, Hail to the King. The, oh, that's the right. Whole yeah. Ken, Kingsley-centric um, uh, uh, short. Right. And even in that little moment, it's like Sam Rockwell already is just such a such an entertaining performer when he's doing drama when he's doing comedy he is just he is magnetic and he knocks it out of the park every single time um i do think with the character justin hammer like if they decide to use him in something else i think we've all heard the stories like he's supposed to be in armor wars um i don't think he'll ever be your principal bad guy just because the way he's been established and the way that they use him he's a bit of a buffoon yeah. Um, you know, when you think about the bad guy in Iron Man 2, I mean, really, it's Whiplash. I mean, that's where your actual physical threat is, mm-hmm. even though he was sort of bankrolled by Justin Hammer. Justin Hammer probably had had um, ideas about how he would have been kind of the principal antagonist. Yeah. Um, but but where however, however he is portrayed, I do hope they use him again because, yeah. again, he's just such a he he it's it's hearkening back to that phase two time when everything is starting to click, even though he was in one of the movies that didn't click. Um, It just, he's just so entertaining. And I I think he would be a welcome re-addition to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, and something tells me that because he keeps coming back to reprise this role, even he probably feels that Iron Man 2 maybe wasn't the best film for him to be in. So he'd like another shot at getting this character across. Even though people do love the character still, he'd like a... Uh, to get more people on board with his character maybe there's more for him as an actor to kind of do with this character and he feels unfinished by it which i think is great because that means he really wants to bring the best he can into justin hammer which i think will be interesting uh shannon i'll go back to you on this the hulk blood thing is an interesting little subplot working underneath bubbling underneath so to speak here in this uh particular episode um clearly tony because tony never tony loves to fuck with shit he is messing with hulk blood testing it maybe trying to cure banner but it seems like he's found a way to find the balance here this feels like what forever formula is here is like the precursor to smart hulk because although he becomes a hulk he becomes a purple hulk which does have comic book reference which i'll uh, uh, mention just a second he can talk happy can communicate happy's on the phone happy can use technology like it's not an issue here and it does kind of tie into the mcu because in she hulk it was revealed that iron man built hulk's lab in mexico to help him transform into smart Hulk. So these could be experiments that they're maybe going to reference later on uh, when things go forward with the MCU. Do you think this was just a fun little one-off, or do you think maybe this is something they're going to reference uh, in future MCU projects? And did you like it in this episode? I mean, in terms of this episode, I don't think they're going to reference this episode again. The idea mm-hmm. of Hulk blood being used, I mean, we've seen it in She-Hulk. We're going right. to see it again with, with Red Hulk 
at, at some right, point. Right, right. Um, so I do feel like this was probably just a a fun a fun one off um, in terms of happy yeah. having having that Hulk blood. Um, but I mean, again, you look at the supporting cast of Captain America Four. I mean, it really looks like it's kind of a Hulk movie in disguise. Mm. Um, so it will again, it will be referenced. Um, probably not like this though. I think that's going to be used for more nefarious means. Yeah, what do you think of the Hulk blood storyline here in this, Michael? Were they just kind of getting us used to this? Because yeah, as, as I mentioned, and Shannon mentioned, they did make a She-Hulk reference to it. Do you think this is kind of showing a little more of Tony messing with stuff as well? What do you think of this? I mean, I don't know that the Marvel Universe needs to get us used to Hulk blood doing stuff or Tony messing with stuff. So I don't know that this is them kind of teeing anything up. And again, since I don't think that this actually counts as being part of the MCU timeline, right. because it is a what if episode, I don't think it's something that they would mention down the road because it didn't happen in their universe. But <laughs> um, but as far as the way it's used in this episode, I think it's super great and fun. I mean, it's an easy get. Justin Hammer wants Hulk blood, going to turn himself into a super strong, super smart guy. Happy gets it instead. Happy gets to Hulk out and save the day. Yeah. Super straightforward, easy breezy. And again, when you have like a super straightforward story like that, it allows you to spend most of your episode doing the fun, silly Christmas stuff, which is what they really leaned in on. Yeah. And I wonder if they make this, if they do, if they are moving towards a connected universe, will we see Happy Hogan as this purple Hulk again down the road in one of these episodes this season? I don't know, because they didn't really cure him of it. And it seemed like, Happy was saying, hey, you could cure me, right, Tony? And he's like, oh, why would I want to go? You know, you're going to be a great defender or the, whatever he said. So it doesn't sound like Tony necessarily wants to cure him. So we may see this uh, down the road. And, and for those of you who are super nerds uh, or aren't super nerds, rather, there are two Purple Hulk references in the comics. One was Norman Osborn. He used his powers taken from Super Adaptoid to steal Red Hulk's powers and transform into a Purple Hulk. They don't talk about why he's purple at all in the comics. Uh, and then Incredible Hulk th number 371, Hulk is possessed by Shangar, the Sorcerer Supreme of the Dark Dimension, uh, and he becomes Dark Hulk, which turns him purple. Um, and, it, and it appeared in the animated series in 1996. So so we've seen references to, the, to a purple Hulk. Uh, and this one feels a little more like Abomination because he lost his hair and everything. Um, so an interesting take, I think that I re really enjoyed, but yeah, I loved, I loved everything they did in here. It was a lot of fun to go from beginning to end with this episode. I rewatched it three times cause I was just smiling through the whole thing. And I like the, I like the dialogue is really well written. The snappy back and forth with everybody makes sense. The motivations make sense and how those things change. The Avengers coming in, seeing a Hulk beating up the Hulkbuster armor. Of course, you're going to think that's a, a villain and you attack initially, but then when they make the change there, you see the difference. Um, but overall, just a really nice, uh, a nice episode here that was had great diehard references and some fun stuff for Christmas uh, for you all to enjoy. Uh, Mike and Shannon, any final words or anything we I missed on this um, on this uh, review here? Uh, no, you know, I, I like that they gave us the Christmas episode on Christmas Eve. I'm curious mm. as to what episode. I kind of assumed that this was the episode when we saw the trailers, that this is the episode we were going to get on Christmas because it's the Christmas episode. But yeah. I think they figured on Christmas, most people are going to be busy doing their Christmas stuff. So give us Christmas a day early. So I'm curious to what we're going to get. But uh, again, I like I said, I was wrapping presents and watching this, and uh, it definitely got me in the holiday spirit. So once again, we're three for three. Marvel uh, giving me yeah. a really nice animated show to unwrap every morning agreed uh shannon your final thoughts on this yeah just again this this is this is new required viewing on christmas eve i feel like this is the perfect thing to to watch before you before you go to bed and wait for uh santa to deliver your presents in the morning um yeah just just so much fun and uh, i mean i think we all really enjoyed what if season one 
Um, but the first three episodes thus far, I mean, they're they're just knocking them out of the park. Yeah. And the fact that they got Jeremy Renner to come back for like two lines, yeah. <laughs> I thought was interesting. Yeah. I'm like, there's no way that there's no way that's Renner. He wouldn't show up for two lines of dialogue. Nope, there he is. Hey. Um, and well, also yeah. in the credits, I don't know if you guys noticed this. Um, and this was probably the background in their scene, but I was so focused on uh, Hawkeye and and, mm. and Bruce um, in the in the background of the store the iron man dolls are sold out there's a sign and on the next the next shelf it's all hawkeye dolls and it's got, oh no it's got 15 percent off with a line through it then it says 40 percent off oh, i was like man. that is that's brilliant <laughs> <laughs> poor jeremy man can't catch a break get run over by a snowplow and made fun of in what if uh, but yeah, Jeffrey Wright, Je- John Favreau, Kat Denning, Sam Rockwell, Colby Smolders, Jeremy Renner, Ruffalo and all came back. But then we had Josh Keaton in here as Captain America, Lake Bell as Black Widow, Mick Wingard as Tony Stark, and Chris Hemsworth coming back as Thor right at the end for a couple of lines himself. So great stuff uh, overall. So, all right, well, that's our spoiler review here for episode three of season two of What If, What If Happy Hogan Saved Christmas. We hope you enjoyed listening to us or watching us as we broke this one down. Shannon, what do we have to tell them? And if you want to throw in a Christmas wish, feel free. Mikey, same to you. Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies, on Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung, on Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MKToon. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. And whatever you're, whatever you celebrate, uh, please t- uh, have a have a wonderful holiday, a Merry Christmas, uh, a, a fruitful Boxing Day. Um, we are so you know thankful for all of you that that tune in multiple times every week so happy holidays this guy has a wife who makes him watch graham norton now he fucking knows what boxing day is uh michael please. <laughs> well uh we hope you guys are enjoying what if as much as we are and we hope that you are all having a wonderful day today however you celebrate um and while you are celebrating you can also smash that like button below subscribe to johnny's outlaw nation page check out all the amazing gifts he has got and the content that he has for you leave your comments below what are you thinking of what if this season and uh you know let us know what you're doing for the holidays too uh go ahead and give us some holiday wishes and we'll give you holiday wishes just bet right back that's uh that's how we roll here at the geek buddies and if you're listening to us on a podcast you can gift us with some stars and some comments so we go up in the rankings and as always you can gift your friends this podcast by posting it on your socials sending it to your friends and telling them to hang out with your buddies the geek buddies there you go and you can always gift us by hitting that super thanks button as well by sending in some love for us coming to you every day through this whole holiday season with a review of this what if series here at uh, season two there all right well thank you all so much for hanging out with us wishing you all a happy holiday as well however you choose to spend today and tomorrow remember we'll be back tomorrow as well with another spoiler review of the uh, fourth episode here in season two what if iron man crashed into the grandmaster so that's going to be interesting for sure a lot of witty repartee between goldblum and downey jr or uh, mick wingard uh, uh for sure all right we'll take care of yourselves be well and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode here of the geek bites is that right is that what we're doing yeah the geek yeah bites. All right. you did Peace. it you did it hey there this is justin bartha i made a funny new podcast king of the egg cream it has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like lewis black i'm torn by my feelings for two women bobby cannavale you can eat it or if someone hits you you can put it on your cut 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.